episode of the Michael's Record Collection Podcast. The interview for this show was originally recorded in December of 2020, but I wanted to present all of my MRC interviews as podcast episodes, so we're starting at the beginning. In this show, I interviewed members of the progressive rock band Little Atlas. For a time, the band was once considered one of the best local bands in all of Miami, Florida. I spoke to lead vocalist and keyboard player Steve Katsikis about the band's 2005 release, Wanderlust, which is my favorite album by the band. That album turned 15 years old back in 2020. We were joined by bassist Rick Bagai shortly into the interview. Steve and Rick are great guys and excellent musicians, and I had a lot of fun talking to them about their album on uh, such an auspicious anniversary. None of us could believe that that album had been around 15 years already. Well, I hope you enjoy this, and I hope you enjoy Michael's Record Collection, the podcast, as it joins a YouTube channel, an Instagram, a Twitter feed, and of course, the Michael's Record Collection newsletter, which you can sign up for free to get at substack.com. The URL is not very uh, friendly for me to just say it. So just go to substack.com, type in Michael's Record Collection, and you can check out my writing there, and subscribe and uh, get it for free in your mailbox. Without further ado, let's get to that interview and find out a little bit more about Wanderlust by Little Atlas. We'll uh, see if uh, if Rick and Diego turn up, but uh, I guess we can just go ahead and, and jump in, and then they can join in, uh, you know, if and when they they arrive, if that's okay with you. Fair enough. If I you know if I ran my clocks <laughs> by their their you know their clocks, I probably you know would be late to a lot of things too. So <laughs> exactly, Wanderlust was uh, was one of my picks for a top 10 album in 2005 uh back when i was doing my radio show and uh this is the third release from little atlas uh on prog rock records in 2005 mixed and recorded at encanta productions and hipcat studios in miami i couldn't find anything about hipcat studios what can you tell me about that yeah that was uh that was my project studio that uh, evolved into a uh I don't know if you call, it, it went beyond what Project Studios studios are, but it's where we did all of the um, the drum recording, and that's where I did all my pieces and parts. And then uh, we did quite a bit at Rick's recording studio, uh, and he worked at Encanta. He was a um, production engineer there; that was his job. And so uh, when we had a chance to mix it in a quote real studio uh, with a quote real engineer, um, made a lot of sense. Uh, so uh, Rick Rick has mixed all of our albums. Now, I know that you, maybe you hesitate a little to call it the third album from Little Atlas because yeah. of how different the first album Neverworldly was. Yep. Um, what, do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like that was a whole different th- thing on Neverworldly? Yeah, I do. I feel like that <laughs> album was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was not, it is just so different from everything after it. It was different musicians, of course. That's why it's partially different. Um, it was written um, without, um, I don't know, I had, not, I had not found my place yet. I had not found my space yet. Uh, I was the sole songwriter on that album. Uh, and I don't know, and, and I was learning how to be an engineer. Like I, I did mix that album and produce that album. And um, yeah, folks should not go out and buy albums that are produced by a beginner i don't know what people were thinking <laughs> but anyway yeah so i, I kind of separate that album in my head um it's it's got some nice songs on it uh and when i when i hear it when i listen back to it which is infrequently um, the thing i get out of that first album the never worldly album is it just transports me back to a place in my life you know it was sort of 
pre-children. It was, uh, we were playing a lot of, that band was gigging a lot, which was fun. Um, I was sort of, you know, kind of hitting this first phase of my life where I really consider myself a quote grown up. So, you know, it's, it's neat to sort of be a mile marker uh, for me, uh, but it's certainly not, uh, you know, I don't see it as this super important piece of work that I, that I created. You know, at least when, when you look back at this album, Wanderlust, you, you guys were coming off Surface Serene and uh, that had been out a couple of years. And, you know, when I went to see you guys live for the first time, I had heard Surface Serene, but uh, you guys were already playing songs that would be on Wanderlust, even though the album wasn't out yet. Our mutual friend, Mike Phillips, calls it the, the first time I saw you, the worst sounding Little Atlas gig ever. It was oh, in I, re I remember that gig. I remember that gig. You were there. I was. Yes, my coach was there. There was the poor band that drove from Atlanta, right? Am I remembering that also? Yeah, there was a band from Atlanta. I couldn't remember the name of the band, but yeah, I was think, oh, yeah. trying to think of that. Yeah, they, they, yeah the, the, the PA was awful. There was a huge plate <laughs> glass window behind. Oh, yeah. I I don't remember every single gig. I sure remember that one. That 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 one actually lives in a little bit of the you know little Atlas Museum in my head as worth sounding little Atlas gig. Yeah, I can't remember much about the other band, but one thing I remembered from that was you know I, I heard some of the songs that I had uh, I'd heard off Surface Serene, some of the ones I enjoyed there, and I remember you guys did uh, some Pink Floyd covers um, from Dark Side, I believe, and then. Uh, I think, think maybe you did Firth of Fifth uh, from Genesis at that gig. And one thing that uh, I remember, I I'm pretty sure you guys played the Ballad of Eddie Wanderlust, maybe The Prisoner and Home also. Mm. When did when did these uh, songs that would come on to Wanderlust, when did they really start to form? Were you still workshopping them at the time? Did Were some of them leftovers from Surface Arena that didn't quite fit in? Or you know, no, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, so it was really an interesting time. So the, there, there's just an interesting parallel process. So Surface Serene um, got released. Uh, well, we were working on Surface Serene, basically. And um, the uh, the drummer, the, the guitar player had already left. We'd been working on some of the songs. The guitar player had left. Um, we'd gotten Roy in the band. And then the drummer left after um, after recording his tracks. And then we wrote um, uh, we wrote one more song after uh, when Diego came aboard, um, which was Faceless, um, and so we put that on the album because it was he killed it. Oh, Ricardo's here! Ricardo's in the house. <laughs> Good to see you, buddy. Now you're gonna correct all my my wrong information. I'm talking about the the album. <laughs> the Hi, Rick. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Hi, Steve. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too. Long time to see. I know it has been. It has been. We were just reminiscing. I was talking about how uh, the time between Surface Serene and, and Wanderlust. Um, so we had, yeah. I, and our drummer had left, and Diego came in to drum, and he drummed the track. And mm -hmm. uh, we released that album, and then we started with Diego just writing new songs. And Correct. The just it was a super important change for the band because with um, Surface Serene, I basically brought the, the songs to the band almost completely like sketched out and we arranged them. With Wanderlust, we all wrote together. And that's why the two albums sound different. Um, 
That's why um, the, uh, if, you, if you heard us live, the finished products evolved because we were, we were playing them and playing them and playing them and tweaking them and tweaking them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is the only album I've ever done. And it's, a, it's really like special to me where we played those songs out a lot before we ever went into the studio to record them. Oh, and yeah. I think that's why that album sounds like it does. I mean, those, that, that album sounds like four guys in a room playing the songs. You know, there's, there's some, you know, there's some production touches here and there, mm-hmm. but the core of what that sound is, uh, and that, that's because we were all in space together, putting our heads together. Rick would be like, how about this? And Roy would be, how about this? And, and Diego would be like, play, 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 play. Um, and and just different ideas. And we had rules like everybody, if you had an idea, we had to try it. And uh, there's a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> how, you know, do you, how do you guys write together uh, for this album? Did you, did you come in with ideas and then play them for each other and then work on it from there? Was it jam sessions? Was it a combination of things? A combination, I think. Uh, we've... Uh, of course, we have ideas at home, uh, have this riff, da da da, and then we, we start, you know, uh, building everything from there, you know, most of, most of the time. Sometimes uh, maybe Steve has a full song, and then we start to deconstruct the song. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. nope. No, 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 let's go this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Wanderlust, you, you, you can feel that uh, it's a little bit, uh, Steve says it, it sounds like, like a live album, but it's it's a little bit, a little bit crazier than 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 the other than than surface hearing, you mm-hmm. know, more mm-hmm. more. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the 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 what is it life? It's very it's very. Uh, it's like an a, a live album, yeah. Yep. With with Wanderlust chosen as the name of the album, was there a was there a primary idea or theme? to the album that you had in mind going in? Or was this something that evolved or was it just, uh, you liked the word? I think I liked the word. I don't, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was not, you know, there was not a, it wasn't a concept album. Um, it was just songs that were, you know, that we were doing at the time. There was no intentional lyrical thing that to hold it all together. Um, so it, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was taken from the ballad of Eddie Wanderlust. But the idea of Wanderlust is like, you're, you're never kind of, you never get, it's the journey. It's not the destination. Right. You're always looking, always, you know, I mean, that, that was really describing where we were at that time too. So it, it wasn't just like the sound of the words. It just, it reflected something important, I think. Speaking of where you were at the time, what were you listening to? What kind of music were you into? What, what kind of things were you reading? What was seeping into your writing at that time? Wow. I have to think back to mid 2000, like 2005, I was for sure listening to Porcupine Tree and I was listening to Spock's Beard and I was listening to Echolin. Um, and then on the non-progressive rock side, I was listening to Jeff Buckley and Radiohead. That's my recollection. How about you, Rick? Well, I see you have a very good me- memory. Dude. I don't remember anything. <laughs> but I yes. remember Rick showed me Transatlantic. Rick, Rick, we, we listened to that in my driveway once together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're very influenced by, you know, those uh, new progressive bands by the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of, of course, uh, Porcupine Tree and, 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 uh, and, and we, we, we listen a lot, though. We, we revisit a lot of Genesis, for sure. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we all, we all loved uh, it. We all loved yeah. it. And, of course, Rush, you know. 
you always have, it's, it's always that influence, you know. You have that thing in the in your the DNA. So yeah, um, yeah. And they they'd sit there, Diego, Roy, and Ricardo would sit there, and they'd break into a rush thing. And I'm just like waiting for the keyboard break. <laughs> I just sit there because <laughs> I couldn't sing it. I couldn't, you know, not much to play there. But they were they were killing the rush stuff. Roy was Roy was Roy was discovering by the time was discovering uh, Porcupine Tree, and Roy was uh, su he was a super uh, Steve Howe fan, so you can you can feel a lot of of, of that influence in that album and yep. the, the guitar work. Yeah. Yep. So we're yeah. talking about here this album. Uh, Steve Kotsikas on uh, vocals and keyboards. Uh, Rick, you were the bass player here. Uh, Diego Procovi on drums and percussion, and and the late great Roy Stratman on uh, acoustic and electric guitars. I was just listening to the album before we got in this call. And, and I think that was my main note was here's another rush sounding part. Here's another rush sounding part. And um, yeah. it, it was, it, it, was it, it was really interesting. Now looking back at this album, 15 years later, I'm, I'm still finding things that I, I didn't notice on first listen, which I think is, is the hallmark of a great album. When, when you look back at this album, you guys produced this yourselves. Was that an artistic choice? Was it a, a financial choice? Was it a combination of things? I don't think it ever occurred to us when we had a, a real engineer and producer in the band to, to think outside. <laughs> I don't think we ever had a conversation about like, should somebody else mix this or should somebody else produce it? Did we write? I think it was. No, no, we were pretty, 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 you know, in that, in that track for from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and nobody knew the material like you guys and how you wanted it to sound anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, and we were like, a, in 2005, maybe, um, it's, a, it's a good time when just uh, for, for, the, for the technology to, you know, of course you have ADATs and the kind of stuff way before that, but, you know, Pro Tools was better and we start buying preamps and microphones. Uh, look, Steve has, a, you know, been collecting year collecting yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. We, we were like a prepare for that when did you go into the studio for the first time what was the what was the first thing you worked on in this album do you remember i mean yeah our, our workflow was one because because these songs were cooked they were cooked they were done mm -hmm. like they were arranged and ready to go and so we we always started with um with drums but we, we i think the way we recorded it correct me if i'm wrong rick is we were all in the room, but the only thing that was being actually recorded for Keeper was the drums. Drum, so I made a mistake or Rick made a mistake, but it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then we would come back and, and um, add the tracks uh, if needed after that, um, mm -hmm. spend time getting the right tones and everything. And we did not use uh, like a, a click or anything, as I recall, for this album, right? Yeah, we, we uh, no, no for, 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 the, for all the tracks, but yes, we used click tracks for, for some of the tracks, yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes like there are songs that just the click just felt a little too like it was mm, it wasn't this because yeah. we were playing live and then we tried to do it to a click. It's like, that's not how we sound. And so we're like, screw it. We're like do the click out. Um, <laughs> let me let me check the Let me check the songs. <laughs> oh, he's got it. He's got the source tracks. Rick is like the librarian. He's got like, no. No, no, no. I'm checking. I'm checking all the album. No, no, the session. No, how this oh, session. OK. <laughs> well, anyway. But if you, if you were to call him and say, do you have like that backing vocal track from like that third song on that album in 2003? Rick's like, yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've thing, of course. No, yeah, if, if it is right. I think I think we didn't use click track for this one. Mm -mm, I think we didn't. Maybe for on and on. 
maybe or what is it what is, what is it right maybe rights maybe but definitely not for the ballad definitely not for hire mm -hmm. for the prisoner no and 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 you can feel you can feel that we're free you know we're yeah, free it, that, like there's this like floats or this like you just don't hear in yeah. a lot of albums um mm -hmm. So you you know you said yet yeah, you had these things fully formed. Were there were there any last minute inspirations that that made you change anything, or or you just hey we know our stuff. We're going in. We're recording it. We're done. Um, I think the last song on the album was a last minute edition. Um, Mirror of Life. Mirror of Life. I I can't remember. I, I may be misremembering, but that struck me as maybe one that. Uh, and we put a, you know, you put that, we put a, a quattro in two songs at the end. Uh huh. That's a, a folkloric instrument from Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so it was a last decision as well. I don't know what else. And, uh, what about uh, what about the violin, Steve, with Bill? When we when we put the. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was on Mirror of Life. So Bill us from Frog Cafe. Exactly. Uh, that, that's that's the last song. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Album. That was the last one. So that that was kind of a, a later decision, um, a seventh song on the album. Yeah. And ended up being the shortest song in the album, I believe. Still um, pretty long, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not exactly a pop song, but you know. <laughs> uh, no. um, but it, although of all the songs, it probably has the most of that <laughs> that sort of pop sensibility to it, and uh, it's it's more in the box uh, compared to the rest of the songs that are. They're a little more uh, adventurous, maybe. You've kind of already answered this, but I wanted to ask specifically about your your approach to instrumental passages. Is this something that is is just in the the band's DNA? Do you does it come from jamming? Does it come from um, writing and saying, okay, we need an instrumental passage here? How do you approach solos? Uh, jamming, I think. Like you know, well, we had there there are sections where there's jamming and there's sections where there's solos. That are a little bit different. Um, so if you think about the uh, the break on on and on, like that's like I'm really proud of that. That's a really cool like interplay. Like the three of us, um, the notes that we're playing, the way that they're kind of different and they hold together and stuff. And the time signature that Diego, the group, the, like there's a groove behind there that is unexpected. Like that was from jamming. That was from jamming. No, and I think no. most of it was. It was like in the room just trying stuff. And then I remember spending a lot of time on transitions. Like, like, how do we go, right? How do we get, how do we get from here to here? Uh, how, we, how, how, how we go back to the, to the, to the leitmotif, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get yeah. back, get back from point A to point B is, is always, uh, is always um, uh, an issue. And it always had to make sense. That was like a rule. We couldn't just like do something, you know, and we took our time with it. And I think that, that, there were a lot of just efforts and time spent doing that. We would have rehearsals. I remember having rehearsals where we'd work on one song and really focus on transitions. Like we weren't rehearsing up song, 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 song to play live when we were in that mode. Is that how you remember it, Rick? Yeah. Yeah. I miss, I miss that thing that, that I mean, it's, it's very hard work when you do that that way because, you know, we are, we are in a room trying to figure out to go from here, from point A to B, etc., and, and and it's it's very time consuming. Um, but when we all agree for something, it's, it was very 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 cool. And sometimes we 
I remember we felt that you know very very uh, euphoric, you know. This is awesome. Yeah. In, like, for the next albums, for example, for for Hollow, we did that not in the not 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 in all the songs, and for for Automatic Day, we practically we compose every, every you know we have everything every everything have was a uh, more uh, arranged by each 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 member. No, this okay. We I have this song. This is the part. Maybe of course we collaborate, uh, but. You know what's different? What's different in the process? Yeah, it was for Wonder for Wonderless was it was like was like a, you know it was an interaction all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was special. Like I've been in a lot of bands and played with a lot of musicians, and I have never had that experience of working that every single person in the band is willing to spend whatever it takes in 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 the studio together mm-hmm. democratically for the music, like. Yeah. It's not happened since for me. Um, I've been and I've been in some good bands. Rick's been in some great bands. Um, it was just special, and we it was like we were all on the same. We didn't have the same ideas, and we didn't always like each other's ideas, but we were on the same page that we were working on something special, and we were right. willing to like just like mm-hmm. break it down and just make everything work. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I took that away from your live show, so it sounded very organic to me. Uh, when those songs were played live. And I think you introduced them as new songs at the time. And it seemed like you guys had been playing them for years. Mm. So let me ask you about uh, Xavier Cortez did the artwork for this album. Uh, Very dramatic, the green handprint with the eyeball in the middle. Where did that come from? He he had sent me like uh, a page of, of just thumbnails of his work. Um, he did the, pre- the previous album as well. Right, thank you. Yeah. So we were familiar with his work. We knew him personally. Uh, he was associated with a, uh, an art gallery that often had music that we would often play called the Wallflower Gallery. It's not around anymore. You, I don't know if you ever went there um, when we, were, we played at that place, but that's where we met him. And so he sent, he sent this like thumbnails and I'm just like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we like the idea of being able to use the original art as opposed to graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the artwork fits. Yeah, it's it's very striking. Do you guys have a favorite track from this album? I mean, it's like, I know it's like picking your favorite kid, but. Mm. Boy. Uh, I like Eddie, for, uh, you know, the bala for everyone. Yeah, was. I like Eddie a lot. It's It's got. Um, but the Prisoner is, is, is my favorite, of course. Prisoner is really cool. Super fun to play. It was like it was like being on a ride at a theme park to play mm-hmm. that, which is like you know it take you these places and um, I'm really you know really proud of the lyrics on that song. It tells I'm not a storyteller with my lyrics and but that tells a story. That's like a that could be a you know mm-hmm. movie or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I thought when I first heard it. It was was that would make for an interesting film. Do you remember Steve? But what was the inspiration from the prisoner? It had to do with like um, I think the Bush presidency, right? Not and it was no, 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 no. no? Yeah. What was it? Tell me, tell me. You remember? I told you. I, I told you about a, a, a book. There is a there is a, a, a Venezuelan uh, writer. He, he he writes like a this dark humor, and I told you about that. This tale that he wrote that is uh this guy that that, that was trying to do transcendental meditation trying to be 
outside of his body, remember? Yeah. <laughs> and the whole, uh, he tried and he tries and like a, and, and, then, the, and, then, and then this guy, uh, finally he, 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 he has a, a out, of his, out, out of his body uh, uh, moment and he can see himself, his body in, in, the, in the bed. And he, and he said, okay, finally, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to travel the war, etc. And, and, and okay, and he go travels the war, and he, when he, when he comes back to this, to his room, the, the body wasn't there. <laughs> his body wasn't there. <laughs> yep. Remember, say that. I told you, okay. No, I, I do. I mean, yeah. you know, in, uh, uh, you brought the prisoner. In spite of that, it doesn't have anything, maybe not, nothing, you know, in common. But I, I remember that was your inspiration. <laughs> yeah, I remember just being really you know, upset about sort of the authoritarian sorts of changes that I was seeing around me politically. Yeah, and, and so that was sort of like people kicking in your door and like going to, a, you know, going to that kind of society and whatnot. And then Rick's story. Yeah, thank you, Rick. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> See, that's why we got to celebrate these things every 15 years. We, we you know, our memories get bad. We have to remember. Yeah, I was good. At, I was going to go track by track, but we kind of jumped in and out. And I was going to ask you who was the prisoner, you know, in, in your mind. <laughs> So that's where that came from. Yeah, yeah, fiction. You guys started the album with a little clip from Wizard of Oz that's all kind of like put, there's effects on it and everything. How did you arrive at that decision? Yeah, it's, so it's a vocoder, um, which uses sort of spoken or, or sung you know, sounds to um, provide the features that create synthesis. synthesis. That's, that's a probably bad description of it, but that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the effect, uh, is using a vocoder. And it was it was not um you know an immediate like we weren't playing the song and using that as an intro until right. the album it was sort of like a production time idea, and I don't I think I'd watched The Wizard of Oz and you know and, and Dorothy kind of has wanderlust um you know traveling around but it's really it's really the uh, the wizard himself that has wanderlust and I was just kind of thinking that 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 whole film and everything was cool but the idea of you know what she says is there's, you know, you, you, there's no place like home, basically is what she says. Um, mm -hmm. But the idea that you can sort of wander and look and the things that are all out there, you know, that keep you going um, are not necessarily what you, what you need. You need, to, you need to know where your home is. And anyway, that, that, I thought that was like, oh yeah, that, that's cool. And then, you know, the Wizard of Oz has been co-opted by Pink Floyd and some other sorts <laughs> of things that, you know, has a little bit of a legendary status to it. It's a little bit of why I asked you about the theme earlier, because there's also a song called Home and, and your lyrics about being far from home, far from my home and, and that kind of thing. So I just wondered if there was sort of some recurring, not necessarily concept album type thing going on, but maybe some some lyrical themes that were kind of on your mind at the time. I would say so. So you mentioned earlier um, the... Oh, before we get there, I want to ask you about the acapella section in, in Weariness Rides. How, how did that come about? Um, what's that, Rick? Your, your idea, of course. Yeah. So uh, how did I do that? I, I recall looping the section and then just kind of like la, 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 you know, kind of getting a just la lawing my way through it. And once I kind of found melody one, I wrote lyrics to it and then I went and found counterpoint melody while that was playing and, and just looped it. And I was kind of like, 
looking for the melody. And then I did the same thing with three. And then I was like, holy crap, how do I get out of this? <laughs> uh, and then sort of had the, the, the three voices that were sort of doing this kind of thing kind of come together and, and, and sing the last part together. Um, so that's where the tools of the studio are really helpful. The opening lyric is fantastic in the, that song. Weariness rides on the backs of our serious sides. Do you remember where you came up with that? Mm -mm. No, but that's a that's a pretty like I, I I'm enamored with that kind of rhyme mm -hmm. um, of where you, like there's not a lot of uh, a lot of music kind of has an iambic pentameter sort of a rhyme where da -da, like da 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 like the, the things are at the end of the line are rhyming and um and i like weariness serious you know i like the double rhyme in that like rides sides mm. serious. i like playing with the sounds of words uh, i'll do that it's kind of a i don't know it's kind of a thing i do <laughs> the track order what uh, what went into selecting which song would go where that was uh that's a very very democratic uh, decision as well and very sometimes very very one of the few fights we have <laughs> always yeah. in all the albums yeah especially opening track we're like it, it yeah. gets less intense after that but like what's going to be the opening track um and i think so here here's my memory check me if i'm wrong rick but i think the reason that we put um Eddie Wanderlust first. By the way, is that the first song? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I think the reason we put that first is we we said, like everything that's going to happen in the album, like that's setting the stage for it. So the kinds of things yeah. we do with that song. Yeah. So, the holy on the holy intro with uh, you know the we sort of the intro and everything was perfect for that. Yeah. For it started with the album. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it made a lot of sense to close the album on the song that seemed the least connected stylistically to the rest of the songs. Um, you mentioned uh, Bill, how do you say his name? Ayasi on violin and Mirror uh -huh. of Life. Uh, you, you know, did, was that just an idea? You would like to have some violin here or, or, or was there just something missing? And, you know, how did that decision arrive? There were, so we definitely couldn't, we didn't like the sounds of like synthesized violin. Um, and we were pretty connected to that band um we had been to new york got to hang out with those guys we were on the same label uh for a period of time actually we were on the same label twice uh which is an interesting story so i, I really like those guys and um i don't remember if we all talked about it, if i had the idea or someone else did um and but we knew bill had a studio um or or at least had access to, to andy's studio um andy sussman um and they just kind of kicked it out really quick. And then on their next album, I got to, to go and add a, uh, a synthesizer piece on, on one of their songs. Were there, uh, you mentioned that Mirror of Life was a late edition. Were there other songs that could have been included on Wanderlust, but maybe weren't quite ready yet or weren't up to the quality level you wanted? Hmm, I don't think so. Do you, do you think, was there anything else we were playing at that time that, that we, we held off on or, or we didn't put on? The album before the surface arena. I don't. What about the clock? Re clock, re clock re restart. That was from. That was in the photo of of Hollow or this one or this or. 
Yeah, I think, I think I that was initially off the surface. That was written around the, the surface serene time. So that never made it to a, a little Atlas album. That actually shit for my solo album from last year. Um, yeah, yeah. The old songs never die. They just you know, in strange places. How does this album hold up for you after 15 years? Are you? Is this still something you're? You seem very excited about it. Still, it doesn't seem like one of those that you look back and you cringe and you go, "What were we thinking back then?" No, I'm no, really proud of it. Not for this one. I love this. I love this album. You know, you have to, of course, uh, uh, set yourself in that moment. You know, in that time. But for me, it sounds very, very, very good. You know. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think that album, you know, Hollow and Automatic Day, um, were. I'm just incredibly proud of those albums. I love, you know, I love everything about those albums. I don't, I don't go back and say, Ugh, like anywhere mm -hmm. on any of those albums. Um, and Surface Serene, it was, which is really our first little Atlas album together, you know, has a lot of really, um, really great, great pieces and parts. And we were learning how to play with each other. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think Roy has had, uh, um, he was built, developing his confidence. He was a great player even then, but he was developing his confidence on, on what he could bring to the, the band. And that was more, much more fully realized when we got to Wanderlust. You know, is there anything else that you remember about writing, recording, playing these songs live that you would kind of want fans to to take away from, you know, this album 15 years later? I mean, I remember performing it, at, performing the songs at Rites of Spring um, at, at that festival in Pennsylvania. That was a, a an incredible moment for this band, like that, the pinnacle, perhaps, moment for the band, um, because we had been toiling away in a local music scene, not knowing that there was this broader thing going on and then to sort of get connected to it and, and have an opportunity to share our music uh, with a wide audience was great. You know, I, I missed the live gigs that we played around the time of that album. We were gigging a lot. Um, and right in that time, we got selected by the Miami New Times as, as uh, best band in Miami, which was just, that was awesome. And that opened some doors. And um, that album is blended to me with like the peak of our live playing, the hanging out. We were getting like, we were getting along really, really well. You know, it was, it was just a great time in our lives, I think. Yeah. Anything to add, Rick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree that we, we um, by that moment, we were very, very focused in, in, in the band. was our priority, you know, in our life was our priority. We were younger. We had the time. We had maybe less responsibilities. And, you know, we were very dedicated. We were, you know, every, every Wednesday, Every Wednesday we, we, we rehearse and we have to play. We play on the weekends. You know, we were very, very, you know, in shape by the, by the moment. So, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, that, that you, can, you can feel it in, the, in, the, in that album. <laughs> All right. Wanderlust, uh, 15 years old. Um, just a, a tremendous record by you guys. It, 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 like you said, it's... It does sound like a live album. It sounds like a very tight band uh, at the height of their powers. And, and I really appreciate you, Steve, and you, and you Rick, also uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to, to talk to me about an album that's 15 years old and, and that people are still enjoying today. Yeah, so thank much. you for giving me a reason to go back and listen to it. I've been enjoying it uh, over the last you know few days and uh, probably going to spend some time with the other albums, too. I, I go through them, like, there's, I go through periods of time where I don't listen to them and then periods of time where I'm like, they just help connect me to a younger version of myself. 
<laughs> and we all need that, especially yeah, this do. year. Yeah, especially this year. Besides me. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. For the free newsletter version, subscribe at substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>